Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 48. All right, bikes, sounds like motorcycles, I'll do bikes. So the entire time, when I said yes to bikes, I thought it was motorcycles, not bicycles. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success. Today is Monday, and if you guys have been listening, you know what that means. We've got another just incredible interview coming up for you. If you guys haven't uh, been following along, Mondays we have longer format interviews, and Fridays we have a shorter format, uh, kind of quick Thought of the day, tip of the day, more bite-sized content for you guys, so make sure to check back on Friday as well. But before we get into it, I also just wanted to say, if you guys haven't subscribed, please go ahead and hit subscribe so you guys get the latest episodes once they go live, as I'm just trying to share this all with you and give back and build our community, our collective together. So, being that today is Monday, let's go ahead and jump right into our interview with Rasan Bahadi. Rasan is a multiple-time national champion in crit racing, uh, which he kind of explains what crit racing is within the episode. He has also done the race across America, and I don't want to give it away too much, um, but it's just incredible what he was able to do. The timeline that he was able to pedal across America is mind-blowing to me. Rasan has just an incredible story about how he got into biking growing up in Compton and kind of almost being forced into biking as a detention from school, being that he was kind of acting up. Anyway, it's a really cool story. A lot of lessons uh, shared throughout this entire episode, and I just can't wait to share it with you guys. I think there's a lot of golden nuggets, and Rasan has just some really cool lessons learned that he uh, shares with us throughout the episode. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Here is Rasan Bahati. Rasan, thank you so very much for joining me on The Art of Awesome, and I'm stoked to have you on the show. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me, man. Cool. So, Rasan, we actually met um, when we were on a mountain biking trip together out in Bentonville, Arkansas. Again, uh, super cool location, especially if you're into doing any sort of uh, mountain biking. Actually, there's there's all sorts of different trails there. But you're more well-known for your crit racing. Is am, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, yeah. And crit is just short for criterium okay theoretically mean you're just racing in a closed off circuit less than a mile gotcha okay and so you're the you're the 10 time national crit racing champion um you've also ridden across america which i definitely want to dive into in in a second um and you've also started your own foundation called the bahati foundation these are all just amazing things that i find just incredible but could you kind of start off a little bit and share a bit of you know your backstory and how you got into cycling in the first place 
Yeah, and, and just for clarity, um, I actually only won three crit national titles, and okay, um, we'll, we'll we could touch on that later. But it's kind of interesting how it all transpired, being that I was the crit racer, but only won three crit titles. Um, so yeah, man, uh, I, I grew up in the inner city of um, Compton, California. Uh, I mean. I, I, I want to say I had a normal life. At least my parents did the did the best they could to make sure we had a normal life. Um, I, you know, I, I only realized we were poor when the police came and knocked on our door and told us we had to get out, which I didn't understand at the time. You know, we were being evicted. Uh, parents couldn't, you know, uh, muster up enough cash to keep us in a home. So um, that was a big eye opener for me. Uh, but at the end of the day, we were never on the street. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Parents made it happen. If it was a hotel, if it was friends, if it was, we always had food, we always had a roof over our head. So I always appreciate my parents for that. Um, and then just, I was going to a, a middle school, Davis Middle School in Compton. And uh, it was just getting a little bit of trouble, you know, just causing problems for no reason. I, I was kind of like that, that kind of annoying kid, you know what I mean? Like throwing stuff and, you know, plucking people's ear for no reason. Just, stuff like that. Anyway, I, I got in some trouble with my teacher and uh, he ended up introducing me to the sport of uh, bikes. And there was bikes on one hand and golf on the other hand. And at the time, you think of a kid, you know, growing up in company, you're like, golf, dude, you know, that's for white people. And then bikes, <laughs> I was like, all right, bikes sounds like motorcycles. I'll do bikes. So the entire time when I said yes to bikes, I thought it was motorcycles, not bicycles. Interesting. Yeah, so we set up a time. Uh, his name is Mr. Garman. Mr. Garman hooked up with my dad, and we met him at Cal State Dominguez Hills, and that's where the 1984 uh, Olympics were held for track cycling. I didn't know this at the time, of course. Uh, this was like 1994 when I got started. And how old were you? I was about 11 years old. Okay. 11, 12. Um, so I, I remember going up there being actually really excited that I was going to be riding motorcycles. And um, we get there and I saw a velodrome. And for the listeners out there, if you don't know what a velodrome is, it's uh, they come in different sizes. But this one that was built for the 84 Olympics was 333 meters. And it looks like a huge toilet bowl. The straightaways are flat. And the, and the turns are banked at like 35 degrees, so pretty steep. And that's what I saw. And I was just um, turned off. And I was like, dude, I don't want to do that. Look, you know, once again, bunch of white guys in tights and funny helmets and pointy shoes. I was like, I don't want to do that. This is stupid. Long story short, it was a form of punishment for me. And I joined this program. And um, I ended up just enjoying being around other people. Um, there were people from different parts of the city, uh, different ethnicities, uh, you know, economically, they were all spread apart. You had foster kids, you had a kid like me who had mom and dad at home, but then you had these affluent kids who had all the perfect equipment and we were borrowing equipment. So it was just like this melting pot of kids all trying to learn to ride a velodrome. And um, so that program was over. I thought I was going to go back to running track and playing baseball. I really love baseball. And uh, my, my dad forced me to go back because he bought me a cycling jersey and the shorts. And he spent like 75 bucks. And at the time, he thought that was a lot of money. So, uh, yeah, I went back and literally 
the rest is history, man. I, uh, at, at, at 13 years old, um, I raced a kid who was 18 and I beat him. And I think that's what like opened the eyes with all the coaches that were there. Yep. And two weeks later, they raised enough money and I went to Kenosha, Wisconsin, and I raced my first like real bike race um, on the velodrome there. It was the junior national championships and I came home with four medals and I was literally hooked from that, from that point forward. Wow. Yeah. That's super cool. A lot, so- of my, a lot of my titles came on the track as well. Okay. Gotcha. So you started on on the velodrome in, indoor track, and then how did you, I guess, transition into crit racing and out onto the road? And then, obviously, you know, later on in life, you got into mountain biking and stuff like that too. Where where did the transition happen? Yeah, so when I was in Wisconsin, um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to meet all these kids from all over the place. You know, I'm, I'm meeting some, you know, meeting kids that are racing bikes from Pennsylvania from. New York City, you know, uh, Chicago land, you know, just all over the place. For me, my, my mind was just going crazy. I cannot believe it because you got to keep in mind, I grew up in Compton. All you see is the same thing. You know, you see Hispanics and Blacks, that's it. And then you get to the cycling program, you see all these different people. And in my eyes, I thought all the cyclists was from California and no one else raced. You know, you're just naive. You don't know anything. So when I got there and just started meeting all these different kids from all over the place, that was the most exciting thing to me. The second most exciting thing about that trip is when you actually won like first place, not only did they give you a, a go medal, but they gave you a cheese head because we we're in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. And so as a, as a, as a 13 year old, I was more excited about getting a cheese head than anything <laughs> else. So it was very disappointing for me because I, I went home with two silver medals and two bronze medals. So I missed, I missed first place twice. Right. And so I remember telling my dad, Hey man, I want to train hard and I want to go back next year. It's like, I want to cheese hit. So as nationals was starting to uh, die down, all the kids that I was meeting was excited. It was like, Hey, are you going to road nationals? And I'm like, road nationals. What's that? I didn't even know anything about road bikes or road racing or gears. It was all about track track racing, which is a fixed gear bike. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that was kind of like my introduction to to road racing was I couldn't go to road nationals because parents couldn't afford to see me. I didn't have a bike. I was already in Wisconsin by myself. So I went home. My dad bought me a, a bike that was like three sizes too big, I think from a pawn shop. And he bought a bike for himself and we started riding on the road and I just, you know, started making some impressions on people, showing up to some local bike racing. I got my butt kicked a bunch early on, and uh, but I finally got the hang of it. And then that's when, you know, they start giving you free stuff and people start taking care of you. And that that uh, that was probably around close to 15 years old is uh, like when I got uh, hooked up with a club out of L.A. called Major Motion, named after Major Taylor, a great cyclist in the 1800s, uh, black cyclist, by the way, too. Um and they pretty much sponsored me because my parents couldn't afford at the time what I have five sisters and a brothers uh, to, you know, buy the nice bikes, buy the nice wheels and all that other stuff. So this club took care of me. I was able to uh, compete at a higher level with good equipment. And then, you know, just like any other sport, people start seeing you and you, 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 you know, your um, projection, you know, through the sport is pretty good if you're uh, committed to it. And I was pretty committed. That's super cool. Did, did you feel that because um, the club was kind of like helping you out that you wanted to train harder and, and kind of like, um, 
I don't know, put in more effort or was the effort there like, cause you wanted that title, you wanted the gold medal, you wanted that cheese head type thing. Like where, where did the, the drive come from for you? Um, it was just in me. It really, it was. Um, because the fact of the matter is it wasn't until I was maybe 25, 26 and I was already making money for eight years that I really like sat back and go, wow, this is actually my job. Up to that point, I was just enjoying it. I was going through the motions of enjoying every moment that I was doing. I loved riding my bike. I, I tell my daughters, you know, they run track and field. And, you know, I don't try to compare myself to them. I just use me as an example. I was like, when I was 14 or 15, which there are, I would just get up and go ride my bike. I'll tell my parents, hey, I'm going riding. And I'll go ride for six, seven hours. You know, no one had to tell me to go train. I wanted it. And so I I try to use that as a motivation for my kids because sometimes I got to, you know, push them to go practice and whatnot. Um, So, yeah, you know, it it is nice having the support for sure. But I think I was I was pretty self-motivated for a very long time. That's super cool. And so when we were in Bentonville together, um, you also told me about your race across America. Can you kind of just explain a little bit of what that is? Because we've we had on the podcast previously uh, another friend of mine called Rob Lee, who he was doing uh, this ult- ultimate world triathlon that he kind of invented and created, which was super cool. And, and uh, pedaling across America was something that he did, and he did it in 37 days, which I thought was amazing. Um, and and then you told me about your race across America and how fast you were doing it. And I was just, I was mind blown. So can you just explain what that is and, and kind of what that all entails? Yeah. So, you know, we just finished talking about crit racing and, and velodrome racing and stuff like that. And so long distance events is not in my repertoire. Right. Um, but as they say, I'm getting long in the tooth and I don't race professional anymore. And I just like to enjoy riding my bike. So um, a friend of mine asked, you know, if I'd be interested in doing race across America and, uh, really without any hesitation, I was like, ah, sure. Not really thinking, wait a second, like what kind of, what type of race is this? You know? Um, so these ultra endurance races are tough. Um, so we left from Annapolis, I mean, sorry, Oceanside, California. So basically like San Diego and literally went all the way across America and uh, just under seven days. It was like six six days, 18 hours or something like that, which was a wow. pretty incredible feat. Yeah, and it, it took me off of my feet for probably a good month after I got home. Um, your body just goes through so many changes and physically, mentally, you know what I mean? You're, uh, you're, you're in for it. And I may do it again, to be honest with you. I may do it this this upcoming June. Um, I, I never thought I would ever do it. I never thought I would do it again. And now I'm even considering doing it again. That's amazing. So, th- I mean, this whole thing really boggles my mind. First of all, is is the race across America just like widely known in, in the, you know, bike scene, the cyclist scene? Because I, I had never really heard about this before. I mean, the idea of like biking across America is something that I've always been interested in. And I'm like, oh, I think that'd be cool. But to race across it and to do it in seven days is, it literally is mind blowing to me. And and then on top of that, I'm correct, you, you did that by yourself, right? Not as a team. No, four person team. Okay, it was a four person. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. gotcha. Four person team. 
Gotcha. And right. um, and I did so most how, of it by myself. <laughs> you did most of it by yourself. Okay. Okay. How many hours are you on the bike like throughout the day? And how many, like, where are you getting your rest in? What are you eating? How does all this work? Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, we had an injury early. Um, and I remember looking at my bike computer going, no, my one of the guys said, you know, like, I've ridden 400 miles. And I'm like, wait a second, let me look at mine. And I'm like, I've ridden 900 miles. Either I'm going too fast or you're going too slow, you know. Uh, but that's just in me. I'm not going to get on the bike. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to go full gas, give it all I got. Um, and so initially we had this plan that we're going to eat these really nice pasta dishes and rice dishes with vegetables and protein. And so this was all pre-made by the chef. And they were packaged up and shrink wrapped and frozen. So when it's time for you to eat, you just pop one out, cut it, put it in a microwave in your RV, and you eat it. That lasted for about two days. <laughs> After two days, man, all you want is like grease, you know, burgers and 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 salt, and because your your body is just your wants to take on just so many calories. Um, it got to the point where I wasn't even eating, you know, wow. I was literally, uh, just drinking caffeine and, and, and munching on stuff here and there. I remember our last, our last, uh, push to the line, like they popped up with McDonald's, you know, it was like <laughs> just anything to change. I think it's psychologically, you know, like right. you can only eat possible for so many days. Um, and then the sleep. So in seven days, um, in seven days, I got about six hours of sleep. Wow. Which was, uh, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Um, I didn't really feel it until the last day, you know, where I started like hallucinating and seeing things that weren't there, you know, because um, your mind is just not built for that. You know, at least mine is not. And uh, it was a little scary because I was going through uh, Gettysburg, PA, you know, and I knew where I was, but I was just seeing like, you know, the, the random little what do you call that thing you see at like car dealerships yeah the i don't even know what they're called they're they're like flapping their arms all over the place like getting you to either pull over or look at the car dealership i don't, I don't know what those things are called so i saw those in the middle of gettysburg dude and, and i was telling the stators like no nah, man there was none of that out there i was like no there was a there's a ton of them like i saw them so that's like your mind you know playing tricks on you a little bit but um we we did it for for charity um we missed the podium uh, by one spot. And so, like, I told the guy, if I do it again, like, we have to go for the win. <laughs> you go that far just to get a participation a participation medal. It, there's no money up for grabs, but getting in the top three is bragging rights. You get a really nice wood trophy that shows the, the crossing of America. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a journey of a lifetime. That's cool. I mean, even just for the participation, I think there's – few people out there that can say, yeah, I've, I've raced across America in less than a week on a bike. Like, I mean, I've done, I've ridden across America several times in under a week or around a week in a car, but, <laughs> but I can't even imagine that time on a bike and just, yeah, I mean, it, it really is mind blowing to me. Um, no other way, honestly, to see the country. Because the bike is such a such a cool medium, right? You're not on a mo motorcycle, you're going too fast. 
car, you're going too fast. You know, walking is like forever, right? So running. Yeah. But the bike, you're kind of in that sweet spot where you, you're you're moving fast enough, but you could take it all in. You know, like riding across the Mississippi or, or going down the glass ele- elevator, as they call it, when you're leaving uh, one of the highest points of California descending into this desert. Um, it was so many cool things. Riding through Gettysburg, you know, uh, climbing the mountains in, in Colorado and Utah. I mean, there's just, seriously, it, it was pretty amazing. That's super cool. Are you guys on major highways then? I'm assuming not, but maybe. I, I, what what roads are you guys riding? Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of back roads, a lot of um, like frontage roads. Uh, there are times where you could be on a highway, um, but they have a lot of rules in place that protect the riders, like having okay. a follow vehicle. Um, now, during the day, you don't have to have a follow vehicle. Um, at night, I think from like. 6 to 6 a.m. 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. 100% car behind you exclusively. Like if they catch you riding by yourself without a car, they'll give you like big penalties. And a, and a big penalty could be like an hour. You know, they put an hour on your time and wow. that could be first or second. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, um, I designed our kit because I was really safety was a big thing. So our kit was like just super bright neon yellow. We had all these fantastic lights from Cat Eye. Our, our team car had all these lights on it. So, like, we took all the necessary steps to make sure that we were safe. You know, we just needed to be safe. Yeah. And and so do you guys have somebody, somebody's riding of the, the team of four then, somebody's riding, you know, 24-7 for seven days straight. Like, you've always got somebody pedaling. Somebody's always moving. And that's the thing about, I think, your body, your equilibrium, you're always moving too. So even though you're in an RV, the RV's moving. The RV is there's nothing static or uh, stationary about that trip. From the time you leave Oceanside, you don't stop moving for seven days. So think of think of that. Just imagine getting in your kayak and like wow. you just kayaking for seven days straight, like all sorts of terrain, and you don't stop. You know, it's like probably go crazy. Yeah, that's great. So I mean, I guess you have to have an RV to pull this off. Like to, to have the idea to be able to cook, to be able to go to the bathroom, to have like somewhere to sleep, like without an RV, it wouldn't really work, I'm assuming. Yeah, a lot of people use RVs, uh, you know, Sprinter vans are very um, uh, utilized because they're just as convenient as an RV, but a little bit more uh, versatile, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, but it's a, it's a huge undertaking, man. You know, you're talking $65,000, to do it. And a lot of it boils down to just logistics, you know, the car rentals, the RV. So if you don't own all that stuff, uh, it, it, it gets pretty pricey, you know. That's crazy. And, and essentially, like, like what you were saying, there's no money to be made. It's just, it's just for like the bragging rights. Like this is just like a, a pure passion project, really, where it's like, okay, we're going to see, you know, who can do it, uh, who can, you know, bike across America the fastest, you know, everybody put your money down and we'll see how it goes. That's crazy. I also think too, it, it, it allows you to live, you know what I mean? Like that for me was a stepping stone to do other things like how I met you. I, I never yeah. thought in a million years I'll be on a mountain bike jumping off of stuff. You know, my, my whole thing was to stay, keep, they say, keep the rubber side down, you know, yeah. that's, that's how you go fast. Um, so, you know, that, I only started mountain biking kind of in that same window, 
You know, it's like, all right, well, what's the next thing I can push myself to do? And who knows? And maybe kayaking is in my future. Who knows? You know, it's just like, so you keep, you keep doing these things and you just, you want to live. And I think that's what's, that's the big picture for me is doing events like that. Well, that's amazing. And if you want to, if you want to live, I would love to uh, take you kayaking at some point. So we'll, we'll definitely make it happen. California has uh, some amazing whitewater. So maybe I'll have to hit you up and and come take you off some waterfalls or down some, maybe just down some gentle rivers, one of the two, I don't know. But what what would you consider the hardest part about racing across America? Um, the lack of sleep, you know, yeah. the lack of sleep, it, it, it really gets you. And then you, you're on this roller coaster of emotions, you know, um, one of the, one of the highs of course was leaving. But then you're 72 hours in and you're still in California. You're like, what? We've been riding for this long and we're still in California. California is huge. But, you know, so stuff like that starts playing tricks on you. But then you fly through Arizona and then you fly through Utah. You fly through Colorado. And then next thing you know, wait a second, we're in Indiana. And then you fly through Illinois. So it's like it was these roller coasters. Um, And another high point was um, actually riding through Bloomington, Indiana, where I went to school. Um, I end up stopping and, and talking to my college mentor for like almost 15 minutes. That's I haven't cool. seen him in ages. Yeah, I stopped, talked to him and his wife. And uh, my crew was like, um, we got to go. I was like, man, whatever. We'll, we'll make up the time. I haven't seen these two in forever. Um, so that was a really high. And then just the lows, it's like riding through Missouri. It was 110 degrees and 100% humidity. And it's just up and down, up and down. Uh, we got very lucky going through uh, Kansas where it was a tailwind versus a headwind. You know, yeah. you could lose a day going through Kansas flat headwind. Um, but then going through the Midwest when we had to hit like uh, Indiana, Ohio, just downpour. It, it rained. It rained from Ohio all the way to, to uh, Virginia, you know. Wow. And just so that was low. So you get off the bike, you're tired, you're cold, you're wet, you know, and uh, that was tough. But then the high again is like the sun comes up and you're 100 miles from your finish line, you know, and you realize you're going to do it. You realize you're going to finish it. And, you know, and then they have a big banquet at the end. And uh, it was pretty cool for me because they kind of pointed me out as the, the crit racer, you know, and, and everyone got a chance to uh, hear some words that I had to say. And it was, it was, it was, it was life-changing. So that's super cool. Well, one of the things that I want to do in life at some point is bike across America. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it in seven days, like yourself, I might be more on the like month or two month program. I'm not sure yet, but, uh, but yeah, that, I think it would just be, like you said, a, a cool way to experience, um, you know, just traveling across the country and, you know, just take it all in via, via a bike. Um, so, uh, I also wanted to just jump in and, and kind of talk a little bit about your Bahati foundation as well. Um, as I think that's super cool. And, and I know that you, I think you're just finishing up, uh, your third annual bike giveaway. Can you just kind of tell us a little bit about, the Bahati Foundation, why you started it, and, and what your vision is with the whole thing? Yeah, so I, I started it um, in the 2009 season. I, you know, at that point, I had been racing 
13, 14 years full time. I was racing in Europe. I wasn't really having a good time. Um, I was uh, specifically racing in Switzerland at the time and just having a horrible time. Weather was bad. I, I wasn't fit. Um, I was really questioning if I wanted to continue to do it. And um, I had a conversation with a Swiss guy when we were off the back of this Swiss Alp climb that was like three hours long. And he's like, you, you very fast uphill. It's not for you. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I know this. And then he goes, um, but I like you. You're very cool and all this stuff. And we, we're literally just having a chat. And honestly, Nick, that was the first time that I looked around and I enjoyed like the scenery. You know, yeah. I didn't care where I was going to finish. I was like, wow, like, look at this. I'm, I'm in Switzerland racing my bike for money yeah i'm off the back but look how cool this is and then we just had a conversation about like what we would do after after the sport after cycling and i said man i would i just threw it out there i said i would love to get more kids into the sport that looked like me mm -hmm. and that stuck with me and i got home and, and i ended up talking to my, my dad about it and met some other people and literally they helped me launch the foundation and when we were putting together the mission I laid out three things that were important to me, education, music, and sports. Um, music is the first thing I ever learned to do. So my dad was a sax player. So at five years old, I learned how to play sax. And I did that for a long time. I played sax all the way up to probably 10th grade in high school. Very um, cool. Yeah, and it was a trip because I was one of the kids, even in middle school, that, that knew how to read music. I could play all my skills, you know, and, and – um, uh, chromatic skills, A flat, uh, you know, flat skills, everything. So uh, uh, it was a trip going to high school because it was easy for me to just go to the band and make a line for sax, but it was always something about the drums, right? So I was looking at the drums, like, man, a drummer always looked like he's having fun. <laughs> so they had open tryouts. So I go try out and make the drum line. Last chair, but I made it, right? And long story short there, I ended up becoming a drum major. And like the drums is my thing. I got drums set up in my garage, all my yards. So anyway, uh, we started the foundation. And, um, you know, honestly, I didn't really know how I was going to do it. All I know is that now I have this foundation. Let's see if we can get more kids into the sport. And, you know, as you evolve, um, we have a relationship with Los Angeles Unified School District. And that's how we identify the kids who receive the bikes. Um, unfortunately, this year it was just bikes, helmet, and locks. In the past, we have a whole program where we invite the family, um, we have guest speakers, we have people uh, that show them how to exercise at home because we also want the parents to be healthy. So yeah. our whole initiative now is motion equals healthy. Um, so like just sitting in your chair and doing something, you know, doing some leg raises, don't just be static at home because that creates health issues. Um, so yeah, we feed them and, and we give them Christmas trees and we give them toys and it's just a, it's a great day. Pandemic hit, couldn't do that. Uh, so we just uh, delivered bikes this year via Amazon, which was like amazing because we didn't know how we were going to get the bikes home. <laughs> I know I didn't want to drive around LA for three days delivering bikes. I would have, but Amazon saved us. And um, yeah, the goal is just to not necessarily find a bike racer out of it, but to just inspire them, just to show them that, you know, uh, that bike is a tool for many things, you know, um, transportation, uh, exercise, I know, uh, freedom, 
you know what I mean? Um, and hopefully it, it leads to a better lifestyle for them so where they don't fall into the same uh, habits uh, per se that maybe some of their family members have fallen in, uh, which creates, you know, diseases like, you know, in the black community specifically, diabetes, you know what I mean, um, and stuff like that. So that's our whole thing. And then the, the big initiative that we started as well, if I could add that, is, um, is STEM and STEAM. And so it's just dealing with like science, technology, math, and all that stuff, and really bringing all that together uh, with the bike. And so that's what we focus on. That's super cool. I love it. And I love how it's almost like just paying it forward in the same sense that you had been helped into the sport from your teacher. Um, and now you're just like, okay, I've, I have gotten to live my life, this amazing life biking around the world and, and across the country. And now I'm just going to continue to pay it forward to this next generation. And again, who knows, who knows what they'll do with it and, and maybe how they might pay it forward again in, in the future. So it's a really cool foundation. I definitely highly encourage anybody uh, out there listening to go check it out. The Bahati foundation and, um, yeah, that's that's just amazing. Thanks so much, uh, Versan, for for joining me. I'm gonna jump right into the next uh, segment of our show that I call the fire round, and I'm just gonna fire a couple quick questions at you. Um, Rasan, do you do you have a favorite quote that you live by? That I live by. I don't know if this is necessarily a quote, um, but I say it often because I think it's one of those things that keep you honest and. Uh, it keeps it keeps me from uh, it keeps me genuine, I would say, and I, I use it often. And it goes, I, I tap my feet when I like the music, and I scratch my head when it itch. And that just means like, don't shug and jive, you know. Um, be you, you know. If you don't like it, you don't like it, you know. If it makes you feel good, smile. If it doesn't, don't. You know what I mean, like. And that's just a matter of being you and, and, and being in the corporate world now, I use that a lot. You know what I mean? Um, and, and it's unfortunate, but I stick to my guns. And like I said, I, I tap my feet when I like the beat and I scratch my head when I ditch. That's awesome. That's a great quote. Uh, I hadn't heard that before, but uh, but I definitely like that. And it really just speaks to to being authentic, to being who you are. Uh, so that's that's amazing. Um, do you have a favorite book or current book that you might be reading or anything that's kind of inspired you along the way? Uh, just finished, uh, fastest man on two wheels. It's about major Taylor. Uh, I encourage everyone to look him up. Um, just a quick note on him. Uh, black cyclists at the turn of the century, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, that was bigger than any athlete we have in today's era. Wow. Um, he passed away, of course, but his legacy has been lost. And uh, there's a lot of people trying to bring it back to life so people know uh, about him. Um, and he inspired a lot of people. And uh, they say he didn't race on Sundays because he's a very religious man. But they say if he did race on Sundays, he would have made uh, over a million dollars a year. And this is in the 1800s. That's how popular he was. He was the only black show in town, right? Wow. So he's a black guy racing in his predominantly white sport, and he was really good. So uh, look up Major Taylor. Uh, incredible story. There's a, a velodrome named after him in Indianapolis. Uh, there's a, a, a mural statue of him in Worcester. I know I'm not saying it right. Massachusetts. 
Um, that's where uh, he spent a lot of his time training. And uh, yeah, it, it's pretty, it's, it's uh, a unique story because he was so big, but he died with no money, you know? Um, so it was kind of, it was kind of like a sad departure. Uh, but uh, yeah, check it out. I'll check that out for sure. You said the book's called uh, Fastest Man on Two Wheels. Yep. Perfect. About Major Taylor. I definitely will check that out. That sounds super uh, interesting for sure. Um, Rasan, if you could go back in time to any time in your life and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? I would say um, I've been known to procrastinate. Um, I've gotten a lot better through the years, and that was something I had to face. Um, so I would say uh, stop procrastinating and uh, execute. You know, start it, finish it, and finish it the way you want it. You know, you started it, and and that was with a lot of drive, a lot of fire. I've had some things kind of just die out because I I, I give up on it because maybe it's taking too long to come to fruition or whatever it may be. So um, that was the old me. And so I wish back then I had the new me, you know, uh, in, in, you know, perspective. I love that. That's super cool. Um, so of all the things that you've done, uh, you know, you've got all these titles to your name. You've, you've done amazing things. You've been all over the world. What might be, you know, a lesson that you've learned, whether it's recently or not, and it could be through, uh, a mistake or a success, but but maybe a lesson that you have kind of walked away with that you're like, oh, that's that's one to you know put in my back pocket. That's a valuable lesson. Um, I think it ties back to your other question, and that's being persistent. You know, um, that's one thing that you know the, the will of a person and being persistent. You know. Um, I think there's there's three P's I like to say, uh, patient, positive, persistent. You know, if you can just keep those three things going, good things will work out. Uh, there's some things that's happening in my life right now that I wanted to happen 10 years ago, you know, um, but it wasn't my time. And so I just had to be patient. I had to stay positive and I had to be persistent. And here we are, you know, um, believe it or not. And people may think I'm blowing smoke, but that going to Arkansas, dude, was like, it, it, it was more than a bucket list of things and, and not even like the helicopter and all that stuff. It was more of just like being around the people that I was around. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. honestly, meeting you, I, I've known Lopes forever, but um, meeting Bubba and Kalani and I mean, just everyone was so cool and down to earth. I was like, see, this is my pocket. These are the people I'm supposed to be with. You know what I mean? Everyone has all these accolades, but no one talked about them. And they were just out there having fun, falling over, jumping stuff. And it was, yeah, that was probably a highlight for me in a while. That's super cool. And I, I love those three Ps there uh, as well. And um, that's just amazing. Rasan, something else that I try to do um, with this podcast is I, I try to bring value uh, when I can. And so I want to ask you, is there something that you're focusing on that either I could help out with, or maybe one of my listeners might be able to help you with. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I mentioned it off air, but going back to Arkansas, we went to that, 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 uh, bike park called, mm -hmm. called the rail yard. And that was super inspiring to me. Um, because if I go back to, you know, how we give the bikes out to the kids, the reality is they don't really have a place to ride them. You know, 
we, we live in a concrete jungle. Um, for me, I could get on my bike and I'm on a bike trail in six and 12 minutes, but I'm also moving at 23, 24 miles an hour. They're not going that fast. They don't know how to avoid trap, you know? So the idea of bringing a bike park into the inner city is what I'm working on right now. So if there are any of your listeners are out there that perhaps know any builders want to donate, I want to have a bike park built next year. So the kids in the hood that have these bikes actually can go to a safe place and ride them and, and, and be the next, you know, Mike, Mike Hucker, you know, or Brian Lopes or whatever it may be. Um, because that's what I saw in Arkansas with all those little kids smiling, huge, you know, a grin on their face, just having a good old time in a safe environment. And, and that's what's needed in our neighborhood. That's amazing. One, I think that's just an awesome goal to have. Uh, and, and two, I'm going to see, you know, go through the list of names that I have in my back pocket that might be able to help with that. And any, anybody out there listening, if you know, whether a builder designer or somebody that might be able to help donate with that, um, I think that's just a super cool idea to kind of just build this bike park for, for kids, um, kind of in the inner city. Um, Rasan, thank you so very much for joining me today. This has just been uh, a real pleasure and I just love hearing your story and all the golden nuggets that you have to share for any of, uh, our listeners out there that wanted to connect with you or reach out to you. What, what might be the best way for them to, uh, reach out? Yeah. So my, my handles on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is uh, Bahati Racing, and Bahati is my last name. And just put racing all together. Um, and then the foundation is BahatiFoundation.org, and you could find that on all three platforms as well. Um, you know, we 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 love. Uh, we definitely have to have money to keep moving forward, but that's not the only thing that helps us. Um, you know, volunteers even turning over leaf that may connect us to someone else who could help us. So uh, don't think that, you know, you have to make this monetary uh, movement to help us move. You don't. Um, again, it could be, we, we have a big field trip where everyone comes out and start moving dirt for us once we break land, you know, break ground or something like that. So um, I, I'm always open and uh, I, I usually get back to people who reach out to me. I don't, I don't ignore people. So if you uh, have some questions or want to learn more, just, just let me know. That's awesome. And I definitely highly encourage you guys all to go follow uh, Rasan on social media and that's Bahati B A H A T I racing um, and Bahati foundation. Uh, again, thank you so very much, Rasan, for joining me. Final question for you today is, what's your definition of awesome? Oh, man. This, this might sound pretty lame, but as of now, I like hanging out at home, barbecuing, and just trying new things on the grill. And that's pretty awesome. That's super cool. Rasan, thank you so very much for joining me. This has, again, just been amazing. And thank you, everybody out there, for listening. Uh, I'd love to just share this story. And I hope you guys got some value out of it. I sure did. And if you did, I highly encourage you, please, if you could just share it out. Uh, maybe just share it with a friend, text it to them, or share it out on your social media. Just copy and paste the link on the social media and just kind of help us share this story and build our collective, our community together. Uh, as we're just trying to provide as much value as we can to all of our listeners, which is you guys. So thank you. And I'm Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all an awesome day. Cheers. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.